Hey, Starting Nine listeners, you can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay, then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. On today's Starting 9, we crown the 2022 Houston Astros as World Series champions while assuming another decade of dominance. Play some what-ifs for the Phillies, recap the overall playoffs, and look ahead to what should be the craziest offseason anyone can remember. Let's have a great start at nine. Action! Carl here, reporting live from New York City. I got Jake in Texas. Uh, and the World Series trophy is in Texas with you. Congratulations to the Houston Astros, I guess. Yeah, I'm not too far from it. And like we're not crowning them the champs. But they, we're gonna, they crown we're gonna, themselves a champ. They crown themselves, yes. We, we can't take much credit for that. Um, I think the series probably ended up the way most people expected to. I mean, the Phillies, I think they played to their potential. They got a lot further than anybody expected them to. Uh, the way they went through the Cardinals, uh, what they did to the Padres. Um, very impressive. Uh, very impressive run, uh, and obviously the Braves. So I think they exceeded expectations, but if you ask the players that, no, they all expected to do exactly what they did and then ultimately win the World Series, which didn't happen. But unfortunately, you just got matched up with the best team on the planet. Yeah, that's the best iteration of the Astros team. I think if you include the, the 2017 champs when they were cheating, even with Correa and Springer, like this is not only are they good now, not only have they been good for a long time, this is right now the best iteration of the Astros. It appears that they could be getting better too. Verlander's got an opt-out, I believe, $25 million. He can opt out of that. If he wants to pitch for a couple more years, I don't see why he wouldn't. He'd probably go get a fu- – I mean, he'd probably go get $100 million for three years right now, I think. He's about to win a Cy Young Award. So I'm just looking at these Astros now as we say, hey, congratulations on winning a World Series. If we have this conversation next year, I will not be surprised at all. No, I mean, kind of what I'm curious to look for is, you know, what teams do through free agency and how they they plan to compete with the Houston Astros. Yeah, I mean, the Rangers bring in Bochi. They've got some nice players. Anaheim's in shambles. Seattle's, you know, making strides towards being, you know, a postseason contender potentially on a yearly basis. But it's it's hard to see teams do enough it's hard to think that they're going to do enough to be to be able to play with them over the course of um, a 162-game season. I just don't know if it's going to happen. I could be wrong, but that division, man, it just seems like it's going to be the Astros until, um, you know, the Rangers, Seattle, um, or Anaheim are willing to take those steps to get to where they're at. And it's not all just about signing guys and bringing in the biggest free agents that are on the market. I mean, you, you have to look within. It's A lot of that's internal. And I think you, we've given a lot of credit to the Astros organization for being able to develop these players on such a consistent basis. And there's probably a handful of teams in the big leagues that, that do it at that level. Uh, they draft well. They develop. Um, you know, they do it with some free agent additions. And, 
You bring a, a guy like Jeremy Pena comes in, and he's going to be so much better moving forward after having the success that he had in the postseason. I mean, are you kidding me with that? And uh, it's, I don't know where the limit is for the Astros, at least for you know the next several years. They're going to keep doing this. or I mean, it's hard to say they're going to keep winning World Series, but they're going to put themselves in a position, and historically they've done that with six ALCS appearances in a row, however many divisions, whatever. I mean, it's just crazy. You know, I, they are a dynasty. There is this, now you bring it up, there's this thing in the back of my head, though, that says I think the Astros are big benefactors of just the inherent luck to this game because – the AL East and the NL East this year is two of the best divisions I can ever remember. And I'm not throwing shit on, like, Oakland Athletics. They stink. And the Texas Rangers are bad this year. And the Angels were not good this year. And the Mariners surprised a lot of people. And so it's, the Astros take advantage of that. Like, I'm, this, this does not discredit the fact that they've been to the playoff or been to the, you know, ALCS six straight years, two World Series championships over that time now. And they look like they're set up. I'm just saying, adding to them being set up for the future, it's not like they have crazy competition Existing now, coming down the pipeline, uh, maybe the Rangers, sure, maybe the Mariners, but th- that gap between how good they are to win the division every year, uh, it'll be interesting to see what the Mariners do in free agency in the offseason. Want to go back to the World Series? Do um, Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay, then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. Uh, did you have a big problem with Kyle Schwarber bonding there? What was, what was that? Talk about that for a second. Um... Yeah, I, I think it was I mean, like especially top, with top eight, down three, two strikes, one, two count. Yeah, I mean, I I think everybody is. I would assume that he did that on his own. I doubt that they would give him the sign to bunt in that situation. Maybe he was just, I don't know. I I I don't want to say anything bad about Schwarber, but one strike, I get it. Maybe take your take your chance. But then with two strikes, man, if you foul it off, you're out, obviously. So, I mean. I understand trying to get guys on base because they they just weren't having they had there was no ability there to make things happen um, against against Valdez outside of the uh, the solo homer that he hit in the sixth inning. That was one of his his very few mistakes of the game, and they just they couldn't string things together. They couldn't really get anybody anybody on base. Valdez's curveball was just it was virtually unhittable watching that game. Um, he was in complete control from start to finish. And then that was his 13th postseason start. I didn't know that. I mean, I we talked before about his – like, he's young. He's, what, 27, 28. Yeah, and you don't realize it. But then if when you look at how often they've been in the postseason, how deep they've made it over these last several years, then it, then it makes sense. But, like, when you look at the list of, you know, postseason hit leaders since, you know, 16 or 17, it's like all Astros guys. It's amazing. Do you think Valdez is like can come off this World Series now and just go right into 2023 and be in the mix for this is one of the best pitchers in the American League? Or do you think he still has stuff left to prove? I mean, this is an unbelievable season for this guy. No, I think the way that he finished up the regular season kind of cemented that he's one of the best pitchers in the American League with just the consistency that he showcased um, 
what, what was it? 25. We've talked about it before. 25, 28, uh, you know, consecutive quality starts. So you know what you're going to get when you hand that guy the ball every fifth day. It's a great feeling as a manager when you just know you're going to get length. You're going to you're going to be in every ball game that that guy pitches. That's refreshing as a manager. You don't have to worry, okay, is this guy going to give me three today? Is he going to go seven? Like, which guy am I going to get? And the more guys that you can, uh, you know, slide into a rotation um, that give you that sort of <clears throat> comfort, it makes, it makes the manager's job that much easier. And when you have an offense that they have to kind of back him up and the rest of their starters, and uh, you've got Garcia and Yerquity that barely even threw, um, they're, they're in a very luxurious position with the guys that they have. And it's not by accident, you know, as, as we all know. Yeah, so this game six, one nothing, top six. Schwarber does his damage. I, I, it, for Phillies fans, it's like we're right there. We're right there again. And you can't even take a breath in the Astros just hang four. Obviously, we'll talk about Jordan in a second. Um, but just the overarching theme with the Astros we've talked about, it's not just that they're so good. Like what makes them so good is I know it sounds so elementary and stupid, but like they're just, you just can't beat them. Like they just don't lose baseball games. Like they, it doesn't matter what the circumstance or situation is. You saw a whole host of potpourri, a smorgasbord, as we say, um, throughout the postseason, comebacks and blowouts and 18-inning marathon games. And they lost a game when they had a 5-0 lead and then came back and dominated. Like they get smoked and smashed in Philadelphia, come back, boop, staff no-hitter. Like it's just in each yeah, moment. Yeah, response, okay, just instant response. Time and again, time they, and again. They so just punch them in the mouth immediately. You know, we talked about the McCullers, you know, game, game three. Um, I would say that it's pretty obvious now to everybody that he was uh, certainly tipping his pitches. Uh, in the moment when we were sitting where we were, it's kind of hard to see all that stuff. Okay, how far his, his hands are from his chest, how far is his, his lift leg, his lift leg foot away from his, um, his push-off leg. When we saw the side-by-sides, it was pretty obvious. And if, if that was happening... Um, on one pitch and completely different from the other pitch, these guys are going are gonna to relay that information. I find it hard to believe that nobody in the Astros dugout was able to tell him that or, um, you know, one of the coaches doesn't motion like this to Maldonado, like, hey, go out there and talk to him, tell him, um, you know, he's got something going on. Whatever it is, pitching coach goes out. But he gave up five homers, and not, not that the Phillies aren't capable of that, but I would, I would just assume that he was, he was tipping his pitches and they had it, no question about it. So, you know, if they – you can't take it back. The game happened. They, they got shut out. They won – Phillies won 7 nothing. But if he had not been tipping his pitches and the game might have gone a little bit differently, uh, you know, the series could have ended in, you know, in five. I mean, who knows? But game one just gave you a sense that, you know – the Astros are going to have to fight and battle through this series. The Phillies aren't just going to roll over um, and let the Astros, you know, win the World Series. They scored six unanswered runs, capped off by, you know, JT Somer in the top of the 10th. So, okay, the Phillies can potentially do this. Like, it seems like they, they have a real shot. Um, you know, but then Astros rebounded. They, shut, they got shut out, and then they throw a combined no-hitter, which, as we know, is the first time to ever be done in the World Series. So, yeah, I mean, they, they're relentless. They don't give up. There's no breaks in the lineup. Uh, every arm they bring into the game, um, 
has a tremendous amount of strengths, and then you have to face Presley at, at the end of the game, who's basically, uh, you know, a high-level starter with four pitches. So, I mean, how? You know, that's got to be demoralizing as a hitter when you're up there. I can't just look fastball or curveball. He's got four of these things that he throws for strikes on both sides of the plate. Makes it really hard to hit. With all we said, one of the shows, you were like, I like Presley to win the World Series MVP. I think it was through four Thought games. it could happen. Nah, I th- he- a lot of people are saying not snubbed, but the closer should have got more love because I think he racked up the highest, something like maybe win probability added or expected win probability added. He had a very uh, compelling metric on his side for that. We'll say he this guy added the most value to the team over the last. If it of wasn't games, as but. cut and dry with Jeremy Pena, then it might have been a more difficult decision. But I think that it went to the right guy. Based on not only what he did in the World Series, but my God, I mean, he, ALCS MVP, World Series MVP, rookie, uh, won him the game against Seattle in that 18 inning game. Just produced, hit that. Um, you know, they, I, I'll never forget the game tying home run against the Yankees off Cortez. Just like that's like one of those situations. Like they're never out of the game. Never out of the game. But J-Rod got like a 12-year, $450 million contract. He's probably going to win AL Rookie of the Year. Pena will probably come in second. It'll be interesting to see what the Astros, how the Astros extend Pena now. And then you look what the Braves did with some of their guys. Austin Riley got 220, 210. Michael Harris only got 75. Markets all over the place for big extensions. Uh, Jeremy Pena, would you give him J-Rod money? Would you give him Austin Riley money? Would you give him Michael Harris money? Well, they're going to want to pay him Michael Harris money. <laughs> Every team would want to pay him Michael Harris money. But he I think that you know, he had a full season. He had a full full rookie season. He had uh, you know, almost six hundred plate appearances. I think think that they'll probably want to see him throughout the entirety of this season and then potentially decide do we go ahead and try and lock this guy up? Um if he performs if he takes the next step over 162 uh, in 2023, I think it's very likely that they they try and lock him up. Or if he has a, if he has a really good first half, if he's an all star, yeah, they might try and do it then. Um, I don't know if he's. Uh, I think it's safe to say that he's probably not in the J Rod category um, currently. I he's probably not going to have the power numbers that that a guy like Riley's going to have. So I I don't necessarily know where his value value falls yet. I need to see a little bit more out of him. If you go based on just what he did in the postseason, yeah, give him a half a billion. <laughs> well said. I think he won the gold glove too. And now whether he wins the award or not, just even to be in the conversation towards the end just is, I think, worthy enough to say, you know, premium defender at the position. He's obviously a premium defender at the position. Very much so. Sky's, sky's the limit. Now the arbitration stuff will be tough. Uh, but the broader picture for me as I think about this, the Astros, just the number of guys 24 to 26 years old, the number of guys that are still under team control or part of an extension where the Astros really don't over the next five years don't really have any part of their roster that starts to become a glaring hole or a huge a huge weakness. And um, there's, it's almost like I'm running out of ways or words to describe how impressive it is that the Astros are able to do this. The Dodgers are on the opposite side, but the difference is the Astros, <laughs> the difference is the Astros are they just every single year they're at, they're in the World Series. Now I think the Dodgers yeah. 
have a hundred million dollars to spend this offseason. Um, we'll get to the offseason stuff later. First, I just really want to say thank you, Live Pure. Live Pure is a health and wellness brand who believes in nutrition without the BS. We have the following products, guys: Hydrate Energy Recovery Whey Protein, Vegan Protein, or Vegan, depending on what part of the country you're from. I very much have enjoyed the Hydrate because I need the amino acids. I do. And I like the way it tastes. Lemonade, blue raspberry. It's a it's it's for rapid hydration. And you know I've been out traveling like crazy, working long late hours, going to different uh would you say different events and you gotta stay hydrated if you wanna have peak performance, guys. Um Live Pure, great stocking stuffer too. stop I know there's people in your life that would appreciate it this time of the year. Um if you're into fitness, health, sports as a hobby, people who like to party, obviously, think guys like me. It's a great last-minute gift. All you guys have to do is go to livepure.com. That's L-I-V-P-U-R, livepure.com, and use code STARTING9 for 25% off your entire order. Because hydration products, recovery products, energy. You've seen people mixing the packets, getting the most out of their water. What are you guys doing for? Live Pure's our product. Go to livepure.com. Use code STARTING9 for 25% off your entire order. Phillies for a second? Yeah. Do you want to, you want to do a little, like, what-ifs for them? What if they didn't take out Aaron? Um, Zach Wheeler. they didn't take out Zach Wheeler? So when they, when they brought in Jordan, you know, I was trying to look at the numbers, and I'm thinking about the stuff Alvarez has, is, or Alvarado has, is, has versus Wheeler. Wheeler gave up the, what was it, Maldonado. He drilled Maldonado to lead off the inning. And did you see from at-bat one to at-bat two how much further uh, Maldonado was to the plate? Did you see that? So maybe maybe they saw something. They knew he's going to pitch him in, which they do, and, and he wore one. Will you he, stop with Wheeler? Um, he's around 70 pitches. You know, that's, that's pretty high baseball IQ if, if that was – done on purpose, which it looks like it was. He finds himself on first base. Uh, I think Altuve grounded out, and then Pena had that single, which it wasn't a really hard-hit ball. It was a single, so you're first and third with one out. And Wheeler was he was 96 to, like, 99. Like, his stuff was back. I text you, like, after the first inning. I'm like, his, his, this is for real. Like, his, the extra day of rest helped. Like this is the this is the kind of stuff that I expected from him. Uh, I would have liked to see him stay in, but man, you got one of the nastiest left-handed pitchers in your bullpen uh, for situations like that. Jordan's uh, slugging percentage is basically exactly the same against lefties and righties throughout the season, and he was in a two-one count. He just he threw a fastball middle middle. I mean that was the mistake there. I mean. You've got a guy on first and third. You can pitch around him. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just he didn't miss a mistake. He got a heater middle of the plate at the belt, and he hit it 455 feet. I mean, I I saw it coming. Absolutely saw it coming. I would have liked to see Wheeler. I agree with the pitch selection there. At least have a hitter, one more hitter or two. I like his chances to spin the ball, keep the ball out of the center of the plate. And that's that's the issue with Alvarado is, you know, he tends to not have very good command. His stuff is always there. But the command of that stuff is what, um, 
what makes me nervous at times. And especially facing a guy who's built for big moments. We've seen it time and time again. And it just felt like one of those moments before it happened. I'm like, this, I, I, this doesn't feel right. But when he got him in that 2-1 count, I mean, you got to know that that's the only thing Jordan's looking for. And in his past at-bats in this postseason and, you know, the Robbie Ray at-bat, like, he's dead red. He's dead red fastball. He fouled the first one off of Robbie Ray, and then he throws it to him again, and you're surprised that he clipped you. So, yes, Wheeler, I would have liked to see Wheeler stay in that game, but Alvarado was in there, and, man, you got you to gotta throw your, your best breaking balls in that situation. And if he chases, great. If he doesn't, okay, now we're, now we're bases loaded, but we don't, have, we don't have Alvarez at the plate, so we're going to have to figure something else out. Uh, but you see what, I'm, see what I'm saying with the pitch selection there? Um, I agree with or the if you're gonna If you're going to go heater. You're talking about you, Robbie Ray doing yeah, it. Yeah, if you're going to go heater there, you just can't miss the middle of the plate. And if you miss, it's got to be down. It's got to be off. Bad time for mistake to a guy like that. Oh. Do you think he was thinking double player or strike out there? Well, I mean, he would have taken either, sure. But if that was his mindset. But is there, is there a way where Alvarado is on the mound and he's like honing? It's like 2-1. All right, well, they give me a two-seamer. Keep this ball down. Get something hard on the ground of the shortstop or the second baseman or the first baseman. You're like, let's get it all playing. Get out of here. Or is it 2-1? Let's get a strike. Let's punch this guy out. I would assume he's probably thinking punch out. You know, because, because if, if he puts in play, Wheeler, if a guy like that puts in play, it could be off the bat at 118 miles an hour, and you're not turning a double play. <laughs> I was going to say I asked because Wheeler, the batted balls in the sixth inning, I mean, the HBP with Maldonado, like you say, crowd the plate. And then, you know, he gets a ground ball with Altuve. There's, he does what he's trying to do. You get a ground ball with a run, you know, you get a ground ball with Pena. It's just a, it's tough to take out your stud at seventy pitches when those are the batted balls. And I know like what you're saying, you're playing the matchup with Alvarado and But the numbers Alvarez, are the same. The numbers are kind of virtually the same on both sides. And I'm I would go with my best command guy. Um, you know, and his stuff was his stuff was there. He was he looked a hundred percent versus where he was his last start. You know, he was hanging a little bit. You could tell he was a little fatigued. Something was off, but his stuff was back. Uh, and he had got him out the first two at-bats. Maybe they didn't like him. Maybe they didn't like the swings that they saw, you know, Alvarez take against Wheeler in, in his first at-bat or maybe his second at-bat. Um, and we're not even talking about this. If Alvarado comes in and he, he punches him out or he gets him to pop up, it could be a completely different story, but... We are talking about it because he ended up hitting the three-run homer, which won him the game. Um, you know what I mean? So, like, you can't say Rob Thompson messed it up or 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 whatever because it's you know it's easy to have this conversation because we we've already seen the results. So it's you know we can second guess it. Again, I would have liked to see Wheeler in there, but that wasn't the situation. Yeah, I, there's some part of me to give credit to Rob Thompson because he stuck to his game plan throughout the postseason and it didn't really change much. The lineups line up. You know, we saw him take guys out earlier in the, earlier in the series. We were like, "Why? Wow, that was a quick hook." 
Um, you know, the Phillies bullpen at the start of the playoffs had a ton of question marks for me and a lot of people. Like, that was by far their biggest weakness. Well, maybe that and catching the ball. But, you know, you just had questions about the bullpen because they ain't done it, hadn't put the consistency together. And so I kind of get where, you know, you can see both sides. But, yeah, it's – this is why I said at the start, like, do we want to do what-ups with the Phillies? Because it's just – it's cruel. It's a cruel game. You're right. They hang on one nothing. If Wheeler doesn't, you know – if Wheeler doesn't hit Maldonado and he pops out, then Altuve grounds out. Who knows? Maybe the depth's different or the alignment's different with Pena, and he grounds out too. And maybe it's a one nothing game, and they're playing game seven, and it's just the kitchen sink. But this is the it's the cruelty of baseball to do 162, go through just a gauntlet, grueling playoff series, uh, you know, and then and then at the end you can literally circle one half inning one pitch yeah and say this is it this is what makes them world and champion. the only scoring happened in that sixth inning uh it's just it's another reason why they're so damn good they just they just fight back immediately they they get up off the mat and they they punch you in the mouth they, they don't wait around the schwarber homer kind of took some of the energy out of minute Maid for a very brief moment and then what do they do they they punch back and they score four in the bottom of the six that was the only uh, scoring done in the entire game was in that one inning. Um, so there's uh, there's a lot to be said for that. And, you know, that's why they're champs because they don't, uh, you know, they're not, they're never worried about playing from behind because they've got the guys to get the job done. I mean, they're, they've been tested in the postseason, you know, year after year after year. Um, and I just, I've never been in that dugout, obviously, but I, I would assume that there's just zero panic uh, at any point in that game um, because they've shown themselves uh, through experiences that they, they can overcome uh, any deficit, you know, so to speak. Yeah, it is starting to feel a lot like those Yankee teams. Like when Jorge Posada and Jeter were playing together at the end, and you looked at those guys, you're like, man, these guys have been doing it together for like 17, 18 years. I do have this feeling I'm going to, that's how I'm going to look at Alex Bregman. I'm going to look at Jordan Alvarez and El Tuve. By the way, Alvarez is on contract for another six years in Houston. He's only getting better. He will get better over that contract. So, uh, Yeah, and he – I mean, it wasn't a great postseason for him. I mean, he had just some some monster hits in huge situations. Um, I don't know his exact numbers, but – I mean, when he came, he came through at the biggest times for him, obviously. Looking ahead, all right, so if you're, a, if you're on the Houston Astros or you're part of this organization, um, they might be better off than any other team in professional sports. I really sincerely mean that. Now, there's some drama going on behind the scenes with them. Apparently, the owner in the front office is not getting along because the new front office isn't anything like the old front office socially. And there's some, a lot of this like petty garbage bullshit. It would be the only way to sink the ship is if there's just so much drama and overhaul and turnover where the people that make that organization run from a player development side and, and you know, where like the well drives up to the players. Now that's honestly, that's a ridiculous Well, I think the player development side would stay. Yeah, it's it is ridiculous. Happen. I think the player development side, and that's giving way too much credit you know, to the GM or just a couple people in front office positions. I'm saying for 20 years, dude. They're all very important. They're all very important. Yeah, I mean, 
I think they've got the right people in place outside of the GM and and whoever to to keep that thing running in the right direction. Uh, or at least now they have the blueprint. So whoever comes in there, I'm sure they could they could handle operating, you know, based off of what the previous uh, administration did. I mean, I think that. Do you think that Click will stay there? I mean, I, I would assume Dusty's not. He's not going anywhere. I mean, you heard his comment after. After they won, he's in the booth with. I think this is going to invigorate Dusty to play more. He's going to, and I say play, not manage, because he's a player in his head. Like he shows up to the field, like he's playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, guys love him too. He's like, hey, what's better than winning one, winning two? <laughs> I mean, he he's going to sign a deal. There. Do you uh, do you know guys that have played for Dusty? Yeah, I know guys that you have played for Dusty. You see this clip at the end of the game. And I've never heard a bad, I've never heard a, a bad word said about Dusty. I don't think anybody has. You see the clip at the end of the game because this is to me like I don't know if people understand how weird baseball guys are, baseball managers, baseball coaches. It's a weird group of guys. Like a lot of alone time. When the coaches were hugging. Well, no, I mean while the coaches were hugging and celebrating, that's not weird to me at all. That fuck, get after it, boys. You did it. And I like the handshakes when they win. They shake each other's hands after like a big postseason series. But the World Series is when they hug and they get really excited. No, dude, I'm talking about the balls in the air and Dusty's marking his scorecard and his note card. Because, you yeah. know, managers and yeah, coaches he, yeah. are always making their little notes so it. that they can say at the end of the game, like, oh, hey, by the way, six inning guys, we got to do this better or whatever. Like, and maybe they're not even saying that to the team. That just baseball guys are so weird that they have to keep track of everything. And, like, Dusty – Two outs, World Series. Like, even then, it's like, no, nah, I still have to make my note. Love it. I fucking love it. You got to finish yeah. it off. That's just the nature, though, of, like, like I said, baseball managers, baseball coaches, these guys that have dedicated their lives to the game. Like, people not know Dusty Baker was a phenomenal player. He was a tr- tremendous player. And then his career gets done, and now I think it's 27, 28 years as a manager. Uh, he lost a game seven twice, I believe. I think he lost a game seven and maybe maybe won game seven. Lost game seven, lost last year against the as, Braves. As a player Stop. or as a manager? As a manager. And as a player, he had a ring as a manager or as a player, right? Yeah. I believe it's the Dodgers. Maybe I'm wrong. But credit to that guy. Twenty seven. You know. I mean, if you were him, would you just would you want to go home? No. Home to him is that dugout. That's more comfortable sure. to him than anything else. I I guarantee that like he can't sit around in like the middle of June, knowing there's professional baseball. Yeah, but I mean, you're. It's not like he's he's not fifty. Like he's seventy three. Like, don't you want to uh, relax? I don't know. Would you? I mean, keep going. Do your thing. You just won a World Series. I mean, if, if I was seventy three, I don't know. Maybe maybe I would want to just go fish or some shit. He broke into the big leagues at nineteen years old. This guy was a. All he's ever done is sit in a major league dugout. Credit to him, though. That's it. Fuck. It's got to feel so good to wait that long as a manager, to grind it, to want it that badly, especially inherent it with the cheating scandals. Um, we talked a little bit about the offseason stuff, and it kind of been teeing this up. I do want to get into some of this news and some of the speculation. People, rule changes, shift changes, um, you know, first, first offseason since the lockout, I have no fucking clue what's going to happen this offseason. Like, I I know what I would like to see, but I have no clue. Like, does Otani get traded? And what about, like, fringe free agents that have 
crazy high value in like one specific area now. Like if I'm a very defensive minded second baseman, you can't trade Otani. Can't you can't trade him until like the the team would have to sell first. You're gonna get big, get rid of like your your largest asset, and then try and sell the team. That's not gonna help with the franchise value. You know, is Art like, for sure selling the if, team? If he's gonna get traded, that's that's all I've read and heard. So I don't know, but you see what I mean, like. If you trade him before you sell the team, it's probably going to hurt your, you know, your your bottom line. The Red Sox just got rid of their Liverpool investment, or it's announced that the Red Sox are getting out of the EPL. I have I I'm still trying to wrap my brain around what that means, but that's John Henry's club. So they're selling. He sold that. I thought he owned that team. It, they they are putting it out that he wants to sell it. There's some news reported that he he's they're taking offers. And their interest. Now, I don't know what that has to do with like the political climate of the EPL and how many, how many different just like crazy cash owners are. Like the Saudis are in there now; they own teams. Money's everywhere. So maybe it's not as effective as a sports investment. Maybe there's a tie in Major League Baseball though. Um, yeah, we go to this off season. A lot of hesitancy to give deals out. Last couple of years, and you have Aaron Judge hitting the market as valuable as anybody and there's plenty of teams i mean edwin diaz signs a hundred million dollar fucking con- what we get yep. 20 million for a colin closer? colin's so excited oh. i mean he's the best he's the best in the game pay the man when he's in there the game's pretty much over hey speaking of the best in the game real quick i want to thank our friends doer from doer jeans for sponsoring today's episode guys if, if you haven't if you haven't simplified your wardrobe Go to Doer. Sign to simplify your wardrobe and the way you dress with Doer. They set out to create versatile staple items that can travel from a hike to work and even out to dinner. Less in the closet means less in the landfill and less time debating what to wear means more time enjoying those adventures. Performance denim. I haven't taken the performance denim off since the playoffs started because I need something I can travel with, I can work with, that can be with me, that's comfortable. Uh, the fabric stretches for max comfort. I've been on a ton of planes. I like looking good when I'm in poke, but I also want to feel comfortable. The reinforced seams help that. Moisture wicks in the heat insulates from warmth and the cold. Uh, take care of your grundle, guys. Keep it nice and insulated. They also they also have no sweat jogger, joggers. Stretchy, comfortable. Joggers are in. Get a pair of joggers. You look at some joggers like, ooh, I don't like those. Those joggers are too expensive. No, we have 15% off for you guys at ChopDoer.com. All you have to do is go to shopdoer.com and use the promo code STARTING or do it in-store. Discover the lightweight luxury of performance naturals. Whether you're a corporate climber or a mountain climber, take 15% online at shopdoer.com or in-store using code STARTING. Doer jeans, guys. Take advantage. Um, okay, Edwin Diaz, $100 million. Did you see that? You were like, fuck, I should have closed. $100 million. No. <laughs> I mean, he had the best year of his career. Two strikeouts, basically per inning. You know, it's pretty valuable to have at the back end of the bullpen. And he's 28 years old. I love the signing. I tell you something. Well worth it. I well worth I it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it because I just I hope that by and large, this guy's able to keep his stuff for the majority of this contract. Nightmares. It's five years. Yeah, dude. But five what if years. Three years. He into throws it, sixty-two, he... sixty-five innings a year. Like he's not throwing two hundred fifty innings every year. But isn't it's there the risk that a reliever just it's does... not a ten-year deal? Five percent 
off the sharpness of his uh, off his slider, and he's not Edwin Diaz anymore. He's a he's a good reliever. Oh, his stuff is just so electric. It's not like he's ninety two, ninety five. You know, I mean, no offense to Presley, obviously he's amazing, but I mean, he, he's throwing a hundred with a ninety four mile an hour slider and a changeup. If he loses a tick, he'll still be okay. But again, I don't think that happens for a while. He's 28 years old. A five-year deal seems like right in that perfect window um, of guaranteed years on a contract. Uh, you know, seven or eight, obviously a little long. Uh, I think it's I think it's good value there for the Mets, and you know they obviously do too, or else they they wouldn't have done it. I and when I say hey, that I'm not. I know you're a player's guy. Obviously, you're a player, but you're a player's rights guy. Uh, I want to see every player get paid i hope every owner has as much money as steve cohen and wants to throw it around and if he and if something happens 20 million to steve cohen a year for somebody doesn't matter like he'll just the mets definitely have the money i text you guys i think steve's gonna break 400 million dollars on payroll in the next couple years i i they were at 280 this year he's gonna get over three and then something's gonna happen where they're like fuck it just get to four um other owners have to be freaking out with steve cohen right now because this is just the second off season. He does not give a fuck at all. If you're Jerry Reinsdorf and you've played like control the situation for the last three decades, or you're the Yankees and you're like, well, our big advantage is we always spend more money than everybody else. We have $330 million for Garrett Cole. Well, it's great to see as a fan that your owner is not scared to go out and spend money and get you players and get you excited about the, the coming seasons um, and know that you'll have, certain players that cheer for for a long time like it's it's great for the game so i i love it I, and I, I know you do too i, w- I want to see all these owners you know get ready to spend money this offseason i mean we've got probably the best you know crop of free agent shortstops that we've seen in a long time um, and there's a lot of teams in need um, i don't know if there will t- necessarily be any huge surprises with teams coming out of nowhere to pay huge money for some of these guys I think it's going to be the usual suspects with maybe, you know, one deal kind of out of the blue. Um, but other than that, I mean, do you, do you envision anything happening, you know, out of the ordinary where you're like, I, I couldn't see that happening in a hundred years. I think I'm just going to stop saying that I expect like chalk and traditional things to happen now. Cause for most of the season, I was like, well, does it really matter? And then the Phillies go on this ridiculous run like, I don't know, man. I think, you know, and, and going back to offseason, like there's no way I saw Chris Bryant signing for what he did in Colorado. I think if I have to pick anything crazy, it would probably be the Rangers doing doing something absurd. Because I just think they've got pressure with the new stadium. They're at such Maybe a, they go get DeGrom. And they've had such a breaking point with and, and weird relationship with the Houston Astros about like who's the Texas team to me and who's more popular. Well, that answer is pretty easy. <laughs> you think? Yeah. So, but if you're a decision maker for the Texas Rangers, you look at next five, ten years. If you guys don't do anything about it, you're just going to let the Astros run away with every baseball fan that's coming through Texas. Like they're just going to keep grabbing more and more and more of the state. And I know that it's. 
there is some inherent pressure for the Rangers organization to go out and do anything. So, like, that's looking at offseason. Be like, if I, any team to do something crazy that you don't expect that wasn't in the playoff mix this year, um, it would be the Rangers to keep it rolling from what they did last year. And that's not even that big of a prediction because they spent half a billion dollars last year. They did uh, on no arms. We all know what they need. Do you think the you Marlins to, get rid of Alcantara? You have, have guys that can go out there and prevent runs. Do I think the Marlins get rid of Alcantara? Trade him? Yeah, shit. I mean. Uh, no, I mean, that's, that's their strength. The strength in the Marlins organization is their arms. They need to build around those arms. Most people are dying for starting pitching. And they have, they have a whole slew of guys that can, uh, can end up being ones and twos. And, you know, maybe you get rid of one of, guy, one of those guys to bring in a big bat. I don't know. Alcantara wouldn't be the guy I'd get, I'd get rid of, though. Crazier shit's happened. And I hate to say, I hate to say it, but I'm not surprised by anything anymore. But how the Marlins compete against, against their division? You know, and this is the type of stuff I'm going to be thinking about going to the offseasons. Like, maybe they get a big shortstop? Maybe. But then you have to show up and play. It's like you look at what the Mets are doing right now. You look at where the Braves are at. Is there any sense for these teams to be like, all right, we're going to take like another two years to tighten this and then make our splash? That's what I'd be very interested in how long-term some of these front offices think. And like, ex- Yeah, but you can't guarantee. Yeah, you might want to make a splash in a year or two, but there's no guarantee you're going to get those guys. You might have your sights set on this guy or that guy, uh, but that doesn't, that doesn't guarantee that he's going to come – come to your team you know and the more and more i think about this you know i know the giants and the dodgers uh, they they have their sights set on judge or because uh, he's he's from that area I, I now i don't think he leaves new york i think he stays there um yeah because look if the but the giants have to do something you got to compete with the dodgers and the padres Rodon's about to opt out. He just out. finished third again. Rodon's, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're 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 as close to baseball purgatory as you can get. Like right now, the Giants look like if they're an NFL team, they look like a team that goes nine and eight every season because they they have enough to just beat up on the bottom part of their schedule, and they don't have enough to get through. And you saw so many times with the Giants when they get matched up in prime time against the Dodgers, get run through. They have a couple very promising arms. They've held on to that core and gotten the most that they possibly could out of Brandon. Uh, Crawford, Brandon Belt. I mean, obviously Posey's retired. But they they just rode those guys as hard as they could for the better part of a decade. Good for them. Um, the transition period out is has been difficult. We'll see how good Joey Bart really is. You know, Aaron Judge, if they sign, is like that's going to cost them so much money to take him away from the Yankees. So much money. Yeah. Yeah, the number the, the bidding is going to get get out of control, I can only assume. Somewhere in the neighborhood of 350, 360 ish. Is what I'm thinking. But I'd like I'll be interested to see what it looks like in the in the Giants farm system. Like what do they have? What's their next crop of guys look like? I'd like to kind of jump into that a little bit because maybe they have a handful of guys that are big league ready. But are they going to be big league ready enough to be able to grind it out against the Dodgers and the Padres, you know, 17, 18 times a season? And maybe that's Probably why they're right away. Maybe that's why they're saying Aaron Judge is a, is a must-have this season, or one of these top-end free agents is a must-have to come in and bridge that gap. Yeah, but I don't know. If, that is a selling point to a big free agent like Judge. Like, hey, we have 
we have this guy in double A who's going to be our uh, our number three next year. We have this guy in triple A that played first base that's going to hit 40 homers. That's not that enticing to a guy like Judge. Or really, I, I wouldn't say many of the big free agents. Like, I want to know what the big league team's like right now. I guess maybe with the Cubs, and I think about it, the selling point, because Lester's a good example of when they went to when Lester signed in 2015, and you had like dominated at the second half of 14, I think, and like you know obviously Rizzo and KB was like lurking, and Bias had been up for a little bit, but to me the difference maker there is like listen, we're trying to we're trying to make history. Like if you went to a free agent, we're like we're making history in San Francisco, and we have all the right pieces and the right mix, and the division's going to be weak, and I don't think the Giants have that compelling of a story. And I bring up the Cubs because I think you have to have like a crazy amount of these subjective career legacy things to stack up to be like, well, look, we may not be awesome right now, but you're awesome. And these young guys are awesome. And we're going to go make history. And you'll be a like, you know, you'll be a legend in the town and all this stuff. Like, is that a big set? Like in free agency that they're telling you, like, you know, you could, you could have a statue here if things go the way we think they do. Yeah. That helps. <clears throat> that definitely helps. You got to look at the other teams in your, in your division, and do you, you think you have an an honest chance, or do you honestly believe you have a chance to compete with those teams in, in your division? Is your team willing to surround you with the players that it's going to take to get the job done? Um, and if you can say yes to those questions, then you highly consider, you know, signing a deal with those teams. Um, at least the the elite level free agents. I mean, there's going to be other guys who um, are just going to sign with a team that that makes them the highest offer, and and that's okay too. You know, not everybody is is going to be be in a position, you know, like this crop of shortstops. You know, Swanson, Correa, uh, Trey Turner, Xander Bogarts. One of them might end up in a situation where all these elite winning teams sign those other guys. So they have to like kind of fill in. They'll still get paid a lot, but they're going to a team that might not win. Uh, but a guy like judge Jacob DeGrom, whether he stays in New York or, or goes elsewhere, uh, you can only assume that these guys are only going to be on, you know, a world series caliber, uh, you know, team. Um, it's hard. It's hard to see them going to somewhere that's, that's really not going to compete. Cause why, why would you money? Well, yeah, but they're going to get paid anyways, and they're going to have, they're going to have um, very competitive teams after them. So they're going to kind of have their pick between three or four teams that are going to be in position to, you know, win a division uh, and make a deep run into the postseason. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, there might be a wild card team in there. You know, like the Rockies came out and, and signed Chris Bryant. You know, and, and they sign that massive contract with Arenado. And, and those guys know they're probably not going to win there. But maybe not in the first part of the contract. That's I'm just whatever that sale process was for KB and the Rockies. I would have loved to hear what the front office was telling him and Boris about, like, well, don't worry, because you're two, you're three. And you're looking at what the Padres are doing. You're looking at what the Dodgers are doing. You look at the giant success over the last couple yeah, like, of years. When are we going to beat those guys? Pitching staff that's getting built in Arizona and the Rockies are like, well, trust us, guys. Um, yeah, man. You got to you got to be grooming the right farm system uh, 
in the long run. And when it comes to grooming, nobody does it better than Beard Guys. They offer a comprehensive collection of beard care products for all types of facial hair and skin types, cleanse, enhance, moisture, style. Uh, they deliver in high-quality, badass beard care with irresistible beard scents and styles. I use it on my mustache and my nice facial growth throughout the postseason. And when I say the fragrances and the oils, people keep saying, dude, your skin, your facial care, everything, you look so good, so clean. Uh, that's because I've been using Beard Guys. The best-selling products include Beard Wash and Tame. Jake, your beard looks great. Two-in-one wash and conditioner for beard hair. It, the Deep Cleanse. I mean, it's really just so deep, purifying uh, daily, from the daily buildup and grime, nourishing your beard with argan oil, vitamin E, and ol- olive oil. <laughs> Delicious. Beard Balm. Beard oil, the whole catalog. I really do. I celebrate the whole catalog of Beard Guys. You guys should craft your beard care routine today at Beard Guys Z with a Z. Beard Guys, G-U-Z, G-U-Y-Z. Beard Guys with a Z dot com. Beard Guys dot com. Winter weather is coming up. I know a lot of you guys commit. This is the time growing the beard, working on the beard, facial hair, this and that. Some of you guys need it. Next getting a little, you know, it's getting big. Got to hide that, baby. Beard Guys dot com. Uh, join the team with us today. And I swear to fucking God, it smells good. She's going to say, like, what'd you do? You look, it looks fuller. You look rugged. You go from a six to an eight quick. Two point bump, beardguys.com. That's a good tagline for a cosmetic. Two, you want a two point bump? Go to beardguys.com. <laughs> Speaking of points, I was at a wedding during game six, uh, going up to the hotel room from the reception, back and forth, watching the game, writing the blog. Uh, I will say point bumps, the bridesmaids shout out to that wedding. Shout out to the Giller wedding. Just an unbelievable crop of bridesmaids. Yeah. It looked like a beautiful wedding. Matrimonial bliss. Uh, any weddings or marriages coming up this off season that you think for sure, I, we could start with the white Sox, their new manager surprise. They went bench coach from Kansas city, uh, 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 Pedro, I'm not going to say his name. I'm not going to say his name. Get, girl. Yeah, I'm, I mess it up. Not surprised to see bench coaches uh, getting managerial jobs. Pedro Griffal. Griffal. Yeah, they, they typically make, uh, make a lot of the game time decisions. The manager consults with uh, the bench coach, which is basically an assistant coach. You know, Rob Thompson, uh, longtime you know, bench coach in New York, in Philly. Makes a great manager. Uh, so bench coaches, uh, former catchers, just guys that know the great game incredibly well, better than most. So that's why you're going to see a lot of these guys maybe you haven't heard of but have been around the game for a long, long time uh, in a bench coaching role or some other high capacity uh, where their insight um, and knowledge is highly regarded. So uh, excited to see what these guys are capable of doing uh, in a managerial position. Uh, and congrats to him, man. It's 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 no easy. Yeah, unnamed guy here. I shouldn't say unnamed, but Pedro Grafal was uh, not not no one I had on any list anywhere, and learned everything about him as almost everybody else did while this was going on. I would assume, and so alarming to a certain degree, right? But at the same time, the White Sox went out and made the huge splash last time, and they historically go out and get names that are comfortable and familiar to the fan base. What kind of works for me here with this guy is he coached against the White Sox for 10 years with the Royals. And being in a division and knowing that roster and personnel as well as anyone, 
like as well as anyone you can outside the organization would be someone within the division that's in an active daily operational situation where they're coaching against the White Sox or game planning. And str- yeah, and you're, so, yeah. you're going to get a lot of feedback uh, from him. Stuff like, you know, this is this is the way we approached playing you guys. This is the way we would attack you guys. This is why we did this. This is why we did that. So it's a good way, you know, for you know, the White Sox, you know, organization to kind of understand, you know, the other, other side of things and potentially – you know, be in a good, good position to work on their weaknesses and be better moving forward. I said, hopefully he doesn't just take – hopefully he's a guy just come in there and just – not crack skulls because this isn't a football. You know, this is like a locker room. But you just can't be taking bullshit from these White Sox. Like, if you watch them play it all this year, people listen to this and watch the White Sox play, you know that, like, that's just categorically not a hard-playing team this year. The 2022 White Sox, granted, a lot of injuries, totally get that, but a lot of the frustrations and, and discontent came with on-field play – base running, you know, team defense, hitting the cutoff, just really basic shit. And because they're so tail, it's not, it's not like a talent issue or it's not, it's just purely like being ready to play every single day. And so hopefully this is the type of guy that goes in there and can, you know, doesn't take shit from guys. Isn't, isn't willing to be pushed around or not even that. Hopefully he's just in guys face every day. Cause that's what that white Sox team needs. Not every single guy on that team, but they need a guy that's in there every day. Just being like, Let's fucking go, boys. No lollygagging. Yeah, I don't know if there's any lollygagging, but yeah, I mean, maybe some more accountability. They underperformed. It was a division that was pretty much up for grabs for a vast majority of the season. You know, they were kind of floating around, you know, two, three games behind. You know, the the Twins didn't really do anything to separate themselves. And, you know, I think that the Guardians came in and did what a lot of people expected them to do kind of take take over that division uh, the way they did towards the end. But, yeah, a pretty disappointing season, not just from the White Sox, but, but for, you know, the Twins, I'd say, as well. Did you see anything about Rizzo opting out? Uh, Rizzo has a – One year, $16.5 million next year at the Yankees. Um, it's reported he will opt out. And hit free agency again. So he was in free agency last year. I think year. that would be a good move. Yeah. He he was offered, I believe it was between seventy five and eighty million for five years to extend with the Cubs going into twenty twenty one. He turned that down to go to free agency, did two for thirty three, thirty two, thirty three million with the Yankees, and then had a productive season in his first year. It's so it's reported that he's gonna opt out now, go back to free agency. And my understanding is he wants to get I thought he wanted to get around ninety to a hundred million dollars after the twenty twenty one season, like in his career, if he could just keep playing until he got to that number. And so I'm I'm super pumped for Rizzo. I just want to go out and say again, though now he's in free agency. Unless it's clear that he wants to play for the Cubs and is like I would be willing to come back and. T- I just it's a like I want to go see him. I'd rather have him somewhere else, personally. <laughs> Yeah, in my opinion, he's trying to go out and get his money now um, because of the offer that he was made by them. And, you know, he, he signed a really short deal uh, with the Yankees. You know, I'm pretty certain that he wants to go out there and test the market and see if he can get a three- or four-year deal. I think from, you know, from an average standpoint, you know, he had he had a subpar year. I mean, he had some homers, probably thought he was, he was going to hit a few more. Um, 
but I, I think he'll do pretty well in the open market. He's just a, a championship caliber player too. Those guys don't grow on trees. And the, the intangibles that he brings, you know, along with his, you know, ability on the field, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to replace that. It's hard to replicate that. Um, so I could see him, I could see him getting well over 16, you know, AAV, I'd say over three or four years. That'd be great. That'd be great. He did show up at the Yankees too in the postseason. I will point that out. He's, Thank you. Yeah. I mean, he's 33. I mean, he's not technically young anymore. I could see a deal taking him to his 37 season. And then going from there, yeah, I, I doubt he ends up with the Cubs. I doubt he ends up with the Yankees. I would assume he'll be in another uniform next year. Even though it's just 10 games, 10 playoff games with the Yankees, he had an OPS over 1,000. That's just great for him because when he goes home, it's like, listen, I'm a guy you need. I'm a guy you want. Spotlight, all that stuff. Other, just quick last two, these two guys, we brought it up earlier. Some news here. Aaron Nola is, the, the Phillies did pick up his option, $16 million, obviously. Make, that's a no-brainer. That surprises nobody. I did get surprised on this. Zach Eflin opted out. They had a mutual. Yeah, he opted out and he had, what was it, a 15, yeah, 15 million? 15 million. So he's going to opt out. And I believe that that makes him a free agent now. Yes, yes. So it'll be, does he hit free agency as a starter? Well, I think he's going for, he's looking for length. Yeah. He'll, he'll, be, he'll be signed as a starter. He's a great starter. I think that, I mean, he's, he's not a one. He's probably not a two. I think, he's, I think he's a really nice three. You know, if you have, if you have a nice top end of your rotation, um, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to bring him in there, you know, as a one. And he would tell you that just, just honestly, but I think he can pitch like a two. I mean, he's not going to be a Garrett Cole or, you know, just a Verlander or a guy like that, obviously. Um, but he can give you length. Uh, he's got great stuff. He's not phased by, uh, by situations. His, his demeanor is that of, you know, Nola, Nola, Wheeler, Suarez. So you're getting a good pedigree. Guy knows how to win. He works hard. I, I don't know what his AAV would be, though. I mean, he wants he wants more than a year, so he's going out there looking for a longer term a longer term offer. Yeah, and then no surprise here, Bogarts and Carlos Correa both opted out. So Correa gets paid forty million this year to go play in Minnesota, <laughs> and he hits the free agency market again. Probably going to end up with the Dodgers, probably for something around thirty five, forty AB. So St. Bogarts too. Why would they? he's? So you think Correa ends up with the Dodgers, but they got to go after Trey Turner first. No, nah, I think they let Turner go. Why? Because I think that I think that the Dodgers – I know this sounds super, like, juvenile, but it's just like I think the Dodgers would just rather have Carlos Correa. Like, I think, I think Trey Turner is, is a phenomenal player. I want the Cubs to sign him. I very much want him to be the starting shortstop for the Cubs. But he's played a couple years – for the Dodgers now, he's had success. He fits very well in their lineup. But then there's times when you see, like, wait, Trey Turner's hitting cleanup for the Dodgers today? And I know the numbers are there, but um, if they have an opportunity to pay Carlos Correa, like, $35 million and Trey Turner's going to cost them, like, 31 or 32 and with their payroll flexibility, I think they go after Correa. And that's just based on what I've, like, heard, seen, you understand about Correa. I don't know Trey Turner well enough, though, to say this confidently. 
Like you I, have a little bias because you want Trey Turner to be in a Cubs uniform, and I get it. He would look really good in a Cubs uni. Yeah, I am, I am a little biased. Thank you. A little. I'm not fully biased. I am a little biased. Do you, Slight bias. Do you think they're – like, I personally think Correa is a little bit better. I, th- I think they're like Man, I don't one know. If, if you consider – I think Trey is just way more versatile. Way more versatile defensively. I mean, his base running, I mean, their their power is the same. I'd say, I mean, I think their years offensively, I mean, were very similar. I know Trey was right at 300. What do you have, 23, 20, 21, 22 home runs, something like that. Correa was right around there, 291 with 22. Um you know, Carlos was playing in Minnesota. I mean, not a bad team, but not the Dodgers. I mean, his numbers, I would assume, might be a little bit better in that Dodger lineup. He swipes a lot. I, don't know. The, I, the I guess about- flip a coin. I, I just like Trey's versatility a little bit a little bit better. He would have the slight edge for me over Correa. Okay. I think the difference there is just in, like, maybe OBP or something, or I got to look harder at that. But Trey swipes a lot of bags, too. My My point is this. The shortstop market, as far as I can remember, is good as it's been. So we're going to have Xander, Correa, Dansby, and, uh, Bogarts. and Bogarts. And Bogarts might be the most consistent on all of them. But every single year he just puts up 140 OPS+, plus, 135 OPS+. Plus. Fen- just tremendous numbers from Bogarts. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with you. I mean, you can't, you can't go wrong with, with any of these guys. Hope these guys get paid. I mean, I think... Who do you think you know? Low man on the totem pole is in that group, which doesn't mean they're they're not good because they're all great. Probably Dansby. Probably, except I think the Yankees would throw a ton of money at him. I could see him as a Yankee. He's like the perfect Yankee, which is such a meatball thing to say, but he probably wouldn't get rid of the facial hair. He probably wouldn't cut his flow. Takes a little bit away from the magic powers if you make Dansby Swanson not be Dansby Swanson up the middle. Yeah, but then the pinstripes could replace that that you lost. That's a great point, Jake. It's it's you know it's a little different playing in that uniform. At least that's what everybody says about it. I'll take their word for it. It looks like it is. I think you're bringing in one. Of, uh, hmm. Dansby is perfect for a team that's ready to pop, and they need just like a great presence in the clubhouse and stuff like. Like, he would do wonders for a team like the Yankees, I think. I think he'd do very well with a team like the Giants where you have some, like, good pieces and stuff, and he just kind of makes everybody a little bit better. But we could go on and on about I, – this is – there's a lot of the stuff that's going to come out in the offseason. Exciting to see if the where the dust settles or how this, how this goes down because with the lockout last year, people are just sitting around twiddling their thumbs, and then, boom, news just comes out. So now that teams are kind of settled, they understand the rule changes, they've had time to, like – like, how quick is this market going to act? Is it going to be Thanksgiving and we're going to see guys on deals? Or is it going to bleed closer into spring training? Um, I think you're going to see some big, big, big money deals early. Like like the way Edwin Diaz got $100 million and people are like, wait, what? How, when did that happen? I kind of feel like that's that's how the trajectory is going to go and then, you know, slow down like it does around around the holiday season. And Yeah, well, I think, I think once a lot of these players kind of come back from, you know, their vacation after kind of shutting it down, recharging the batteries they'll start uh, fielding calls from their agents and, and talking to teams uh, and, and go from there but 
Yeah, I'm thinking, you know, who, out of these shortstops, who's going to sign first? How, how much is the contract going to be for? I mean, because if, it, if it's me, I'd want someone to sign before me. I wouldn't want to be the first one. Because then I feel like you have the advantage of kind of looking at uh, the other options as far as which teams are available, how much money they have to spend, and do you want to play, you know, for those teams. And, you know, these teams also have to consider it's not just the player's ability and how much money they're going to have to spend on them. It's like the character that each one of these guys has. And I, they're all high-character guys, but, you know, what's their personality like and how do they fit in with the group that we have here, which with our coaching staff, with our other players, our young players, um, are they uh, are they capable and willing to take on a, a mentor role for our young guys? Because that's that's a huge deal. You bring in like a superstar. Is he is he able to kind of act as like a player coach, take some guys under his wing? Um, you know, some guys do, some guys don't, and. Uh, I mean, you'll still take a superstar that doesn't, you know, necessarily uh, kind of fit that leadership role or mentor role. You wish that they would, but if you get both, if you get the performance, the production out of a guy, and he's also able to kind of help bring your young players along, I mean, that's worth extra money right there. And for a lot of fans that just sat through 162 and knew it was over in like June, July, or maybe knew the whole time, like, uh, it's just isn't it. This is where, like, it actually does become the most exciting part of the season, most exciting part of the year for a lot of baseball fans the next couple of weeks because you just sit around and you're like, man, if we had a good this and that, if we had a good left fielder, if we had a competent catcher, if only we had a couple – if only we had more bullpen help. And so now we get to, like, go to the party. We got our GMs. We got our front offices. Like, we have the people we, that are out there making decisions for our clubs. And it's just fun to go through this and be like, well, I, you know – we have money, but, you know, we're not that smart with it. And there's other teams that don't have a ton of money but are super smart with their money. And, again, coming out of the lockout, there's going to be so much shit that's going on this offseason. And I think baseball very much is trending in the right direction. If you had this conversation with me a year ago, knowing the lockout was coming, uh, yeah, I probably would have been much, much, much more apathetic. But having gone through, like, a full – you know, having gone through the full season now – the way these storylines are coming together. Like, I'm very optimistic and bullish about the future of baseball. I think this offseason's going to be very promising. I hope there's I hope there's just, like, massive, massive moves and waves and just, like, crazy shit. Yeah, I want to see Judge be a giant. I would love to see Judge be a giant or some random team uh, that wants to – that then uses the Judge sign to be like, no, we're going all in. You know, there's so many different things going on. <laughs> judge won't be a giant. He won't be a giant. <laughs> just can't, it just can't happen. It can't happen. He can't play go West Coast time. You're going to go there and you're not going to win. You're not going to win. You're going to get beat up by the Dodgers and the Padres, potentially. You're going to be the best player on the team. You're going to hit a bunch of home runs. I don't know, or maybe not. But I, I don't think he goes there. Watch the Tigers do some shit, man. Scotty Harris. Watch the Tigers do some stuff, too. I could do this for fucking six hours. I'm sorry to our audience. It's way it would be anyway. nice to bring a little bit more excitement to the AL Central dogs oh we're gonna get one of the boys on one of the boys from the royals are gonna join us uh i think next couple of weeks to talk about the jets and some like life away from baseball stuff uh we have a couple of those young guys yeah, cool. that we've been talking to we like them this is a pro royals podcast also pro pro everybody except for a couple of people we're not gonna we, yeah we like everybody i mean we, we don't play favorites like i i want to see every team do big things this offseason i want to hear about you know the minor league systems and and what we need to be excited about uh moving into the into the 2023 season, 
Uh, I want to hear about the Florida Marlins, what they're going to do to compete in the NL East. I want to hear about the Royals, like you mentioned. Are they going to compete again in the Central? I want to hear about the Rangers. Where are their guys coming? And Sam, I think it's Sam Huff came up as their, as their top catching prospect. What's after him? You know, what's Oakland going to do? Um, what are the Rockies going to do to compete uh, in the NL West? Are they even gonna, are they going to compete at all? Um, so a lot a lot of exciting stuff is going to go down. Um, I'm looking forward to it, man. Congrats again to the Houston Astros. They earned it. They deserved it. Best team in baseball. Uh, Phillies came up a little bit short, but I mean they had a tremendous season. Also, happy for what they accomplished, even though I know it still stings. Uh, but hey, there's always next year. Yep. And with the Phillies run this year. One last message I want to put out is say congratulations to the Houston Astros. Uh, Moneyball's dead. Moneyball's dead. The Phillies spent $230 million this year on their team. The Astros spent a shitload of money on their team. Everybody that made it to the end of the dance this year, they all spent a fuckload of money on their teams. So if you're an organization, you want to make it far in the MLB playoffs, I think it's getting pretty clear here now. You know, fuck your edge for 162. Go spend money if you want to win a World Series. It made for a cool movie. It was a nice idea for a little bit. Um, the Guardians have kind of done, they've done a pretty good job with that. Uh, the Rays, but, you know, let's face it, like, it's not, unless the Pirates show up, like, an NLCS <laughs> next year, like, I'm with you on, on the whole Moneyball thing. I'm sure it was a good book, didn't, didn't read it, uh, saw the movie, uh, it was a cute story, um, but over the long haul, you know, over a decade, like, you're probably not going to win that way. Uh, although some, some owners would appreciate that. They would love that. Uh, so good luck. Amen. Uh, this, this is starting nine. Subscribe to the channel. Uh, subscribe to YouTube. Share the show. We'll be back on Thursday. I believe we'll have a cool interview for that. We'll set that up now. Um, in fact, if you subscribe to the channel, I'll guarantee you get an interview. So do that. Thank you. Well done. Good show. <laughs>